0: Good morning. What a great privilege afforded us by the providence of God that Christians can assemble according to the teachings of Christ, honor him and give God all the glory to open the Bible and be informed and motivated to live right before God and go to heaven. That's reason for praise and thanksgiving. Please have your Bible ready in First Peter. Our time together this morning will be located in First Peter. And I want to begin with a passage in chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4. Remember, Peter is writing to Christians who were located in what might be called hostile territory. Daily life was hard, not just due to persecution that took many different forms, but just living in a broken world and a broken society, torn up by sin. People living around them with no respect for God, no interest in Christ, just their pursuit of selfish ambition. That was hard. The Christians had given up sin, But in many cases, their neighbors, and in some cases within their family, there were people who continued all manner of iniquity. And with that, persecution against Christians was becoming intense. Here's the way this is described in 1 Peter chapter 4, in verses 1 through 5. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh... Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Now, In the third verse of this passage, listen again to these descriptive terms sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. Did you watch the news last week? Did you read a newspaper? Did you look at magazine headlines? Did you browse the news feed on the internet? And did you hear about any of this? And did you think of this passage and others that describe this flood of debauchery? I have a question for you this morning. Do you like the world you live in? Our country is drowning in this flood of debauchery, and it's discouraging. It is a source of stress. We worry about the church. We wonder how all this will impact our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. We sometimes may feel like Jeremiah, the weeping prophet who spent years attempting to turn his people back to God, but they would not listen. Do you like the world you live in? I know your answer. So what do we do with our frustration? How do we process it? What do we need to concentrate on to keep our faith and our sanity? in a flood of debauchery. This morning, we're going to listen to Peter from his first epistle. And there are four clear messages that just come off the page from the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Peter to our minds to enable us to cope while we are here Surrounded by this flood of debauchery. How do we live in a world we do not like? Number one, our brother Jason mentioned this to the Lord in prayer moments ago. We must keep in mind that this world is not our home. We're not here forever. 1 Peter chapter 1, Robin read part of this a moment ago. 1 Peter chapter 1, listen to verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to... An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Now, what does that do? That identifies our aim. An inheritance imperishable, undefiled, unfading, reserved in heaven for God's people. If you're looking for something like this, down here on this earth, you're going to be disappointed. Forget it. There's only one place that fits this beautiful description. Peter wants us to understand this world is not our home. We are sojourners here. We are pilgrims. We're on our way somewhere, but we're not there yet. Chapter 2 in verse 11. I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from, "...from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul." Chapter 1 and verse 17. "...conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile." This world is not our home. If this world becomes your home, if you become comfortable and attached... To this world under the sun and you fall in love with it and you nurture that romance, if you take your eye off of heaven and engage in no repentance at all when you sin, I hope each of us realize to go to heaven to fully enjoy the presence of God and His Son is infinitely better than the best accommodations and the best situation that earth has to offer. I can cope with my brief life on earth to the extent that I realize that this isn't all there is. The primary question that should occupy the human mind is, how do I get home? God answers that question at the cross and He supplies what our response ought to be through His Word. And when we embrace what God has promised about heaven, part of that is knowing and remembering every day, this world is not my home. The song says, we are just passing through. Number two. Never let this slip from your awareness. We are called to be holy. I want you to be looking with me at 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be at verses 14, 15, and 16. Being holy, let's talk about that. Being holy should not be thought of as being enshrined, perfectly sinless, immortalized, and celebrated in the religious literature, remembered in history. No. Being holy <clears throat> is being like your Father in heaven to the full measure of your ability and your growth. <clears throat> Listen, please. 1 Peter one fourteen through 16. As obedient children... Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. This is more than just having an opinion or a conviction that God is holy. This is being so convinced of His holiness and the value of it that you imitate it. What you see in the holy God becomes what you strive for in your person. Even in a world that celebrates what is unholy, even when you're surrounded by a flood of debauchery, you determine, I'm going to be what God wants me to be. One of the tragic, false doctrines in popular religion, is God must accept me just as I am. Meaning, I'm not changing. I'm going to be what I want to be. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to follow the ambitions and flesh that's within me. There are people who want God in their lives, sort of, kind of, maybe a little bit but they're not willing to let His Word change the way they think and live. <clears throat> what we see in God, people should see in us. And when we imitate God's character, it strengthens us against the suffering and misery and sin that's all around us here under the sun. This world is not our home We are called to be holy, and we are messengers of hope in a world that is lost in sin. We see ourselves in many ways. Christians, forgiven sinners, sojourners on our way home. We need to see ourselves also as messengers with good news that can get people out of sin. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, we are people who proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness. Do we do that? Do we do what 1 Peter 2 verse 9 describes we ought to do? Do we tell people, hey, there's good news. You don't have to live that way. We have a message of hope. You can read and believe and act on this message and change your life for the better. And then when life under the sun is finished, you've got an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled, reserved in heaven for you. Do we talk to people about that or not? Think about this. If we're going to complain about all the sin around us, are we going to also share the message about how people can get out of that? Can't we do better? When people ask you about your life or question you about your faith, do you seize that opportunity or brush it off and change the subject? Look with me at what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3, 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. We are to be vocal. Not insulting or so harsh that people don't hear the message. It says here with gentleness and respect, but it says give an answer. Be vocal, speak up, share the message that has the power to get people out of sin. Listen to this. I read this the other day. Many Christians are like the Arctic River, frozen over at the mouth In evangelism, the hardest thing seems to be to open your mouth to get the first word out. May God help us get that word out and follow it up with these words. Number four. Our core coping Source is to entrust our souls to God. 1 Peter 4, verse 19. No matter what the form of suffering is, persecution, temptation, unknown misery, tragedy you can't explain, Peter wrote this that you will find in chapter 4, verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Entrust your souls to a faithful creator. Without any question, we need to know the Bible. But beyond knowing words on a page, we must know the author of the Bible. One of the primary functions of Scripture is to tell us about our Creator. And as we become acquainted with the Creator, we soon discover that He is perfect and holy and faithful. He will do what is right, keep His promises, watch over His people. Peter teaches, no matter how we suffer or the variety of the difficulty, we entrust our souls to a faithful creator while continuing to do good. This trust is committing the care of your soul and the final outcome to one who can be perfectly trusted. One who loves us. His ways may not always be clear to us here under the sun. but we absolutely know that God always gets it right and we put our souls into his trust the word in trust or commit in this verse is the same term Jesus used when he said from the cross father into your hands i commit my trust luke 23:46 Peter says to suffering believers, you have to make that same commitment. It is hard. It hurts while you're here. It is bad when you look around, but you trust God to care for you now and to bring to pass his ultimate promises because you know God always gets it right. You can trust him. I want to frame the point this way. The more you dislike this world, the more you need to love and trust God. This world is not lovely. It is headed for destruction. It is not our home. The more you dislike this world, the more you need to love and trust God who will keep you and take you home. He always gets it right. I read a story one time about a five-year-old girl who was frightened one night by lightning flashing and thunder. She ran into her parents' bed, and they told her to pray. And she prayed aloud, and her parents heard extraordinary insight from this child. The little girl said, Dear God, I want the thunder and lightning to stop. Then she paused a moment and she continued. She said, But, Lord, I've just thought about it and you can do whatever you want. I trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Childlike faith. That we need. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices. Are doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. I'll tell you that I don't like the world I live in. If I don't like the world I live in, I need to arm myself with the mind of Christ, live daily for the will of God, embrace my family and others who need to be served, refuse to participate in the flood of debauchery, and be ready to give account to Him who is ready. To judge the living and the dead, we do not know when. If you're not ready to give account to the judge of the living and the dead, if there is some response you need to activate this morning, we invite you to come while we stand to sing.